All right, what's going on, everybody? Coaching candidates emerging for San Diego State as we head towards the final week of the regular season for the Aztecs at Snapdragon Stadium. We'll talk some Aztecs hoops at some point over the next 45 minutes as well. John Schaefer with you on the wrap-up show. Make your way in. This is a Tuesday night edition. We're getting some news related to the Aztec head football coach search. So as you make your way in, whether you're here live or on replay, please subscribe. You're on content for Aztec fans. We talk football. We talk men's basketball. Smash the like button for me if you wouldn't mind. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at John Schaefer and uh, appreciate you guys hanging out on this Tuesday night. Um, I think we should get right into it because a couple of candidates are emerging according to reports for San Diego State. And this is just two of potentially a number that will emerge, whether it's publicly or privately, over the coming days. And J.D. Wicker, of course, saying within the last seven or ten days that San Diego State is hopeful to have a head coach in place by the middle of December. Wouldn't guarantee a date. Um, obviously, they want to get the candidate over the date. I think they're more concerned with getting the right candidate as opposed to finding, um, you know, having it done by a certain date. But uh, again, the head coaching search is underway, and let's get right to it. I want to start with what Kirk Kenny reported earlier today in the UT related to Nebraska defensive coordinator Tony White. So. He reports that Tony White has been contacted by San Diego State as the Aztec search for a new head football coach, and this, according to multiple sources, per Kirk. So the name Tony White, so I think there's a lot of things you really like about Tony White, and I think for some Aztec fans, the one question is, well, if you go after a defensive-minded coach, what does that mean for the Aztecs um, as they look to improve their offense as well? So let's start with his resume. I think a lot of people know it. Um, if you're an Aztec fan, but nine years as a quarterbacks coach, cornerbacks coach under either Brady Hoke or Rocky Long. He coached under Rocky New Mexico. He played linebacker at UCLA. And after leaving San Diego State, I think it was after the 2017 season, um, he's had some success elevating all the way to the defensive coordinator at Nebraska here in 2023. And while Nebraska has been up and down, their defense has been really good. Uh, top 20 scoring defense. They were 77th last year. In FBS and scoring defense, I think they're 17th right now, yards per game. Uh, they're a top 25 um, total defense right now. Um, so he's elevated all the way to defensive coordinator. I think he's going to be highly sought after. He coached previously at Syracuse. He could be in the running there for the Orange. And then you think about San Diego State with its vacancy and his background and his trajectory, and it just makes sense. Uh, he was the recruiting coordinator at San Diego State. Um, he was at... Uh, he was on the Mesa for nine years. You're talking about multiple Mountain West championship teams when Tony White was on the staff. Um, so there's a lot of things you really like. You know, he's a relatively young coach in his 40s, um, wants to be a head coach, has ties to San Diego State. And whether he's an offensive coach or a defensive coach, you know, if he's not calling plays, he would still have to bring in both an offensive coordinator and a quarterback. So J.D. Wicker has talked about this. He said, you know, it doesn't have to be an offensive coach. It doesn't have to be a defensive coach. We want the best coach. And no matter who we choose, we want to know what the philosophy is going to be for the offense. So if it is Tony White, well, of course, you know, one of the questions will be, well, what are the plans for the offense and who can you bring with you if you're going to be the head coach of the Aztecs? So, you know, what could an offensive coordinator slash play caller look like? What could the next quarterback of the Aztecs potentially look like? Uh, those are questions, obviously, if you bring in someone like Tony White. But I'll say this, Matt Rule, who's the head coach at Nebraska, maybe some of you heard some of this audio. I played it today on John and Jim on San Diego Sports 760. He has spoken glowingly 
about Tony White, um, saying go get a job, make sure it's the right one, make sure it's well-resourced and funded and desirable and an area in which you can recruit. But you know, if you're following this story, the San Diego State coaching search, and you're seeing what people are saying publicly about it from a national perspective, people are saying very good things about the Aztec coaching job. Let me you know, relay something I read today. The Athletic, Chris Vanini, who covers Group of Five football, was asked a question in a mailbag, what's a better job, San Diego State or Boise State? He said, arguably, I don't even know if he said arguably, I think he said they are the two best Group of Five jobs. And he said, period. And he said, if he had to make a decision, he said by the thinnest of margins, he would pick San Diego State over Boise State. Resources, location, recruiting, facilities, with Snapdragon Stadium. So Chris Vanini saying San Diego State is as good of a group of five job as there is. There have been others that have written, maybe it's Bruce Feldman at The Athletic, maybe Vanini, saying that even compared to Power Five jobs, there are reasons that San Diego State's job would be better. Maybe comparing Northwestern to San Diego State. Now, Northwestern doesn't have a vacancy. They filled it with their interim head coach. They took the interim tag off. Uh, Syracuse um, in the ACC, you know, what's a better job, San Diego State or Syracuse? These are the questions that people are asking, even though some of these jobs are in the Power Five and San Diego State, Boise State, obviously, are in the group of five. But the point is this it's desirable. Uh, is it Texas A&M? Of course it's not. They don't, you know, the Aztecs don't have those resources, those funds. They're not in the SEC. But when you compare it to other group of five jobs, it is right there. And when you compare it to some of the jobs around Power Five football, J.D. Wicker has talked about this as well. Um, I think it'll be considered favorably compared to some of the jobs across Power Five football as well. But you're looking at, I uh, have it here, the 15th best total defense in the country. Nebraska allowing 307 yards per game. Top 20 in scoring defense, allowing just 18.7 points per game uh coached under rocky and brady knows the intricacies of the 335 um played linebacker at ucla knows the west was at san diego state for a long time um and matt rule spoke very positively of tony white within the last 24 hours um he really did uh if you haven't heard it you need to find it um but he was very complimentary of the job that tony white has done at nebraska and he essentially said you know he's got a future head coach just find the right job make sure you pick the right job where the resources meet the expectations um, and where you can win. And we know this, and Tony White knows this, you can win at San Diego State. He was a part of a lot of winning with Brady Hoke and Rocky Long. I mean, a lot of winning, multiple Mountain West Conference championship teams. So he knows what it takes to win at San Diego State. And of course, there's never been more of an investment in football than now for the Aztecs with everything going on with Snapdragon Stadium. So you have Tony White, who, according to Kirk Kenny at the UT, has been contacted by San Diego State. So we'll see what the next... Uh, where the process goes from there. Then you had Bruce Feldman this afternoon, probably somewhere between 4 and 5 p.m. Um, let me find the exact uh, tweet from Bruce Feldman, who works at The Athletic. He said this, UNLV offensive co coordinator Brennan Marion has interviewed for the San Diego State head coaching vacancy per source. The 36-year-old former NFL wide receiver has played a vital role in the Rebels' 9-2 and season at a place that has had one winning season since 2000. So first things first, yeah, UNLV's resurgence this year has been incredible. And obviously, there's a lot of parties that deserve credit, whether it's Barry Odom, the head coach, or Brennan Marion, the first-year offensive coordinator, who's only 36 years of age. They're top 20 in scoring offense in the country right now, okay? And they lost their quarterback, their starter, Doug Brumfeld, to an, inter uh, an injury in September. So this is the top Mountain West scoring offense. And it's a team that... Scored 40-plus points, I think, in four consecutive games earlier this year. 
Um, some believe that Marion is heading for a power five position, but it's his first year as an OC. The Aztecs have interviewed him. And obviously, when you think about it from like a Tony White perspective to a Brendan Marion perspective, I think you like what J.D. Wicker and the staff are doing, which is kind of like leave no stone unturned. White with his ties to the Aztecs, right? Um, and then Marion, who, um, sorry here, just looking at something real quick. Uh, and then Marion, who's obviously a little bit different. I mean, he's got no ties to San Diego State. He's an offensive coach. He runs something called a go-go offense, um, which he kind of coined at previous stops before he got to UNLV. So you got this offensive guru with this very high trajectory as a play caller. You've got this defensive heavyweight, so to speak, in Tony White that's got a great reputation, has had success at San Diego State and elsewhere. But I think it shows that they're not concerned with finding someone that fits in just one box. It's not just someone with ties to San Diego State. It's, it's not just an offensive coach. It's not only a defensive pedigree. They're trying to find the best coach for this job, and I think they have the resources to do it. Um, are there questions with Brennan Marion? Well, yeah, it's year one at UNLV, but nine and two in a place that doesn't win. I mean, they haven't won since Randall Cunningham. I don't even know if they won with Randall Cunningham. And they're a win away from a Mountain West championship game, which is really incredible. If you followed UNLV football over the last 20 years, they've essentially been irrelevant. But they're winning, and they're doing so at a very high level. They get San Jose State at home this week. If they win that game, they're 10 and two. They're heading for a Mountain West championship game. If they win that, they're in the LA Bowl, and they're 11 and two under Barry Odom and Brennan Marion. So, you know, I think Brennan Marion is probably in line for a quote unquote better job, whether that's an OC of a Power Five program or potentially a head coach at uh, the Power Five or the Group of Five level. So, according to Bruce Feldman, again, Brennan Marion, offensive coordinator at UNLV, has been interviewed. And according to Kirk Kenny of the UT, Tony White, longtime assistant at San Diego State, uh, defensive coordinator in Nebraska, also has been contacted by the Aztecs. So those are the names we know as of now. I think there's some other names that have been tossed around, although they haven't been sourced. It's just ideas, right? Conceptual concepts like uh, what Bruce Feldman, for example, wrote in the athletic, maybe last week, about a week or eight days ago, just threw out some candidate names, right? Just throwing stuff against the wall. Now he hit on one of them. He had put in there Marion, uh, in the article, Brennan Marion, he had theorized could be a candidate for San Diego State, and he's been contacted. I think some of the really high-level names that others have tied to San Diego State, and we'll see if the Aztecs, in fact, have contacted these um, coaches or not. You've got the high ceiling of Ryan Grubb, who's the offensive coordinator at the University of Washington, who is working with the Heisman frontrunner right now in Michael Penix Jr., and, of course, is the offensive coordinator for an undefeated team. Uh, the Huskies, who are 11-0, he's a Kalen DeBoer protege. Um, he was at Fresno State before t following DeBoer to Washington. So you have someone like Ryan Grubb, who absolutely could be heading for the Power Five. Um, I want to say he turned down Alabama. He did. He turned down Alabama's offer to be the Alabama offensive coordinator, sticking with Washington. So that's you know all you need to know about Ryan Grubb and his ability to call plays and his offensive mind. Mm -hmm. You've got other Pacific Northwest coordinators. You've heard about Oregon's OC. You've heard about Oregon State's OC, Brian Lindgren, as well. Um, I think an intriguing name, just from a name perspective, is Missouri's offensive coordinator, Kirby Moore, who's the younger brother of Kellen Moore, the great Boise State quarterback. And Missouri is one of the better stories in college football right now. They're top 10 in the college football playoff. 
they have completely transformed their offense. Uh, he's got time in the Mountain West because he played at Boise and he coached at Fresno State. So it's an intriguing name, Kirby Moore, the younger brother of Kellen Moore, OC at Missouri. Some names that have just been thrown around. You'll see the name Brian Harson, who's now in his late 40s. He was good at Boise State. He was very good. Offensive coach, 69 and 19 at Boise State, left for that Auburn job. I think it was a bit of a mess. He was fired after like 20 games at Auburn. Um, he could be in line potentially, I'd say, for Boise State as well. Uh, but it's at least a name to consider, considering his ties to the Mountain West. Um, outside of that, um, you know, a name that's been tossed around. Obviously, you got to, yeah, I'll give you another one. Obviously, you've got former Mississippi State head coach Zach Arnett, who was the former Aztec defensive coordinator, uh, spent time at New Mexico, was under Mike Leach. Mike Leach had the tragic, untimely passing. Zach Arnett took over. They didn't even give him a full year. But widely respected defensive coordinator. If he doesn't become a head coach next year, he will absolutely be a high-level Power 5 DC. So Zach Arnett, with his ties to San Diego State, New Mexico, the SEC, his ability to potentially put together a staff, um, you know, his ties to Mississippi State and that offense that they ran a year ago um, under Mike Leach, I think that's an intriguing name as well. Um, Brent Brennan has been discussed at least. I've seen some people write about it. I mentioned him on the radio just kind of as a flyer off the cuff because I looked at um, when Jane Norvell left Nevada for Colorado State, I think he left for more resources. And he's beginning to have some success now in year three. In fact, they're a win away from becoming bowl eligible at Colorado State. It's been a while since they've been bowl eligible. They've won their last two games, including against San Diego State. I think they're playing Hawaii this weekend on the road with a win, and they are in potentially to a bowl game. So you had that play out in the Mountain West. Brent Brennan, for those that aren't familiar, I think was three and 21 or three and 22 his first two years at San Jose State, one of the tougher jobs in FBS football. And over the last four or five years, he has consistently won and he's done so with a good offense. And he's been able to, to um, develop quarterbacks and get quarterbacks like Chevin Cordero. And these last couple of years, 2020 Mountain West Championship game, well, they won the Mountain West Championship game. This year, they're the hottest team, arguably, in the Mountain West. They've won five consecutive games. If they beat UNLV in Vegas this weekend, I think San Jose State is heading for a Mountain West Championship game. They're blowing the doors off everyone they play, other than really San Diego State last weekend. That was a pretty good game. They still won by double figures. I think not only have they won five consecutive games, they've won all five games by 10 or more points. And some of the games... They've been really impressive. 42-18 over Fresno State a couple of weeks ago. So they're not just winning. They're winning by a lot. And Brent Brennan has that program absolutely heading in the right direction. And I don't know how much more he can do with San Jose State. I would think at San Diego State you'd have more resources. You'd have the Southern you know, California fertile recruiting ground. Um, financially, you could potentially be compensated more, maybe a larger pool for your assistant coaches as well. Um, you know, some of these names we're throwing out there, um, are they the sexiest names? I don't think it's about that for San Diego State. Are you trying to win a press conference or are you trying to win? There's a big difference. Um, you can win a press conference, but not consistently win. Are you trying to sell tickets or are you trying to win? And I think you can do both. But I think at the end of the day, no matter what happens at the press conference and no matter how many tickets you sell in the aftermath of a press conference or in the weeks and months leading up to a season, you're going to have to win. Right At the end of the day, that's what you have to do. Whether it's good offense, good defense, a combination of both, you, you have to find a way to win consistently and potentially maybe do so 
with a little more offensive flair. J.D. Wicker has talked about that. But I don't think he's going to be swayed to a certain side of the football just because. And the reason I say that is some of the most successful time in San Diego State football history has been over the last 15 years under defensive-minded head coaches. Like, this has gotten the Aztecs to a point where they nearly broke through into the Power Five, and football was leading the way. And they weren't doing it by scoring 40 points a game, but they were doing it by winning consistently up until this year. Um, with the five 10-win seasons, I want to say, in the last eight years, something like that. Uh, 12-win season a couple of years ago, multiple Mountain West championships in the 2010s, Mountain West championship game in 2022. Um, they've won at a high level, and they've done it, obviously, relying heavily on their defense, special teams, uh, and making enough plays on offense. So that formula has worked at San Diego State. Now, I don't think they're going to follow it to a T, and I think they recognize they want to improve on offense. But if you can improve on offense and still go with a defensive first coach, I don't think that's going to be a disqualifier, so to speak, for J.D. Wicker. So it appears to be a bit of a blank canvas, which I think is good. It appears to be they're going to consider all avenues to put their football program in the best position it can be in to succeed, whether it's someone with ties to the Aztecs like Tony White or Zach Arnett, or someone that doesn't have any ties but is a young, emerging uh, coordinator that could be a future head coach like Brennan Marion. Maybe it's an offensive coordinator for Oregon, Oregon State, or the University of Washington like Ryan Grubb. And maybe it's someone we haven't even mentioned. Maybe it's a current head coach at a FCS level, Division II level. Maybe it's a coordinator at an FCS level or the Division II level. Um, what we do know is that San Diego State is well-resourced, geographically in the right spot, has facilities specifically with the football stadium. I think J.D. Wicker said there's a desire or possibility of upgrading on-campus facilities as well for football. So it feels as if the things are lining into place, and you just need to find the person that's going to lead this program forward. And I don't know if you're looking to hire someone that's going to be here for the next 10 years, like you had essentially with Brady and Rocky, where you have two coaches over a 15-year period. If you hired you know, a, a, a coach with a high trajectory and he left after three seasons, but took you to a college football playoff or close. Isn't that a really good thing? And at that point, aren't you okay with going through the process again? And isn't your candidate pool even wider? And can't you cast even a wider net based on the success that that coach would have? So I don't think you have to think about the next 10 years. I think if you make the right hire, and even if it's only for the next 36 months, that's still point your program in the right direction. Like if, if your next hire goes eight and four next year off of three and nine or four and eight, and then nine and three, then 10 and two, then who cares what happens after he leaves? Because he's turned back around the program, right? That That's how I would look at it. I think that would be preferred, in fact, to um, the opposite, which is, you know, it takes four or five years to really get the thing rolling. And then over years, you know, five through 10, you put yourself in a position where you're competing for conference championships and maybe to get into a college football playoff. So I say get rich quick, potentially find a coach that can, you know, win at a high level, uh, do it the Aztec way um, and do it hopefully in the near term. And it doesn't have to, you know, there's no guarantee they go from where they are right now, three and nine or four and eight. And all of a sudden they're 11 and one next year. I mean, obviously that's a, that's a pretty big ask coming off this type of season, but you can change things quickly with the portal um, via recruiting class. Um, you can make, you can make sizable change in a short period of time. And you're not in a power five league. Um, in a group of five league, I feel like you could make even more headway potentially 
with those type of investments if you hire the right coach. And I think the the advantage of getting a coach in place by the middle of December as opposed to later than that is the transfer portal is going to open right after championship weekend, I, I think December 4th. You've got an early signing period that's going to come up around December 20th, roughly. Don't quote me on it. So you got a lot of work to do from December 4th until Christmas over those three weeks, and you're not in a bowl game. So if you can have someone in place by as close to December 4th as possible and allow them to work on that 2024 team and not not punch the wrong word, but if you're behind the eight ball with 2024 and you're focusing more of your attention on 2025, well, then I feel like that might be a little bit of a squandered opportunity to improve your team in the immediate short term. So, and I think, you know, J.D. Wicker and I think college administrators in general understand the timeliness of these moves. And that's why you're seeing coaches being let go in season or what happened with Brady Hoke where he announced his retirement a couple of weeks before the end of the season. Andy Avalos at Boise State was let go with a couple of weeks to go. You've seen other coaches fired um, around the Power Five, Tino Babers at Syracuse, Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M, Zach Arnett, Mississippi State. So I think there's this recognition that we may need a week or two in front of the portal to make our hire. And if we wait all the way until the end of the season, we've put ourselves potentially behind the eight ball. So we'll see how this process plays out. Hopefully we hear more in the coming days. I don't know if we will over Thanksgiving or not. I would imagine next week could be busy. Championship week, you could interview coaches that aren't coaching during championship weekend. Maybe you have to wait it off if coaches are coaching that weekend. But I think San Diego State, based on what J.D. Wicker has said publicly, hoping to have someone in by mid-December, knowing that according to Bruce Feldman and Kirk Kenny, they've begun the process of looking for a head coach, you would think it'll be sooner rather than later, whatever that means in the coming weeks. Um, and I agree with Talking Friars, Ben Fadden, who's with us here tonight in the chat. Guys, if you're here, please subscribe, whether you're here live or on replay, you're on content for Aztec fans. Uh, Talking Friars saying flashy hire would make things interesting, but winning matters the most and winning will bring in fans. I agree with you. I mean, you, you look at what the Padres have done, for example, and the Padres have had a level of success over the last handful of years, but they've also had some disappointment in there as well. And they've won winter meetings. They've won off seasons. They've made good managerial hires. They've made... Um, entertaining trades. They've made lofty signings. They've spent money, right? I mean, they've certainly captured the attention of San Diegans. We know that. But that alone isn't enough. Now, last year they drew, even though they didn't win. I mean, they really, really drew. But I'll tell you what else will guarantee them drawing, winning. And if they go out with a less sexy hire like Mike Schild, but if they win at a high level, win 90-plus games, and even if they don't have the full complement of players they've had and the full payroll that they had a year ago. I think if they're capable of winning 90 games, if they put a team like that together, San Diegans are going to support it and they're going to draw 3 million fans. Now, if they come out and they don't win, then that's going to be problematic. But that's how sports work, whether it's college sports or professional sports. Eric, what's going on? Thanks for hanging out. He says, what's up, John? I like the options you're laying out for the new head coach. If you have other ideas or suggestions, whether you're here live or on replay, if you're here on replay, put it in the comments. If you're here live, if you have a question about it, if you want to throw out a name, if you're looking for my opinion on it, put it in the chat. I'd be happy to interact with you here tonight. Um, SG Sports Talk Channel says, hi, John. What's going on? Jay Pablo, let's go. Um, Jay Pablo, thank you for hanging out. So again, if you have a comment, you have a question, you want me to entertain it, discuss it, feel free to put it in the chat or put it in the comment section. I'll react to you in the comment section on replay as well by replying um, when you watch this thing on replay. The other subject for San Diego State sports fans is Aztec basketball. Uh, coming off a really impressive, good, solid weekend in Vegas. I was there at T-Mobile Arena. Aztec's playing in the main event. 
and winning two games against good, good, solid programs. First of all, St. Mary's, they're on hard times a little bit. They've lost three consecutive games. Weaver stayed at home. Uh, Brian Dutcher expecting them to play angry on Friday night, and the Aztecs took a good punch from St. Mary's before uh, really dominating the second half, outscoring St. Mary's 45-21. And then Sunday night was one of the epic all-time regular season games for the Aztecs over the last 25 years. San Diego State building a 12-point lead against the University of Washington with four minutes to play, only to see the Huskies come all the way back and tie it at the free throw line with one second left after actually missing one of two free throws. Otherwise, they win the game. Jane Ledee, it would have been late, but nearly threw a ball in from near half court at the buzzer of regulation. Then Washington, with all that momentum, coming back from 12 down in the final four minutes, turning San Diego State over a couple of times, took a four-point lead in overtime, and San Diego State still won the game. Jane Ledee, clutch moment after clutch moment. Lamont Butler, a timely three. Lamont Butler, a timely steal. And the Aztecs somehow found a way to win. There was a corner three at the buzzer of overtime. It was off the front of the rim. And the Aztecs won it 100 to 97 to get to four and one. They've got good wins. They've got a resume that they had worked hard at in the offseason to give themselves a, uh, the ability to build a resume where you're playing a Long Beach State team that's already beaten Michigan and DePaul on the road. St. Mary's preseason um, preseason favorite in the WCC. Washington with like an NBA-style offense and a couple of NBA players on their team. They have to be top half in the Pac-12 after watching on Sunday night. Cal State Fullerton, I think, is going to be a good team in the Big West. Aztecs get Cal. Cal's been a little disappointing here. They have a ton of transfers. They've had some injuries. Aztecs get Cal Saturday in San Juan Capistrano. They still have Stanford at home. They still have Grand Canyon on the road, which could potentially be a quad one opportunity. They're inside the top 75 at Kempom right now. I think UC San Diego on the road is not exactly a walk in the park. Um, they have Gonzaga on the road, which is, you know, as good of an opportunity as you can possibly ask for, but you don't hurt yourself if you don't win the game. And right now, out of teams in the top 40 in Kempom, the toughest non-conference schedule in the country is San Diego State's. So you, you can't ask for more to what the Aztecs have shown you right now. And don't get me started on polling. Just don't get me started on polling. The Aztecs a week ago dropping out after losing at BYU, yet other programs like Michigan State, a home loss to JMU, um, FAU, a home loss to Bryant. And there are others that I'm missing. Staying, oh, USC, a home loss to UC Irvine. Those teams have stayed inside the top 25. The Aztecs have the best loss of that group, and they're outside the top 25. And they have the toughest schedule of that group. And for whatever reason, East Coast bias, no respect for San Diego State, whatever it is, pollsters having no clue, um, whatever it is, San Diego State just doesn't get that national respect. And at the end of the day, Brian Dutcher really doesn't care. I mean, they don't build that schedule to be in the top 25. They build that schedule to give themselves a resume that will look good with the selection committee come NCAA tournament time, whether they win the Mountain West tournament or not. And a schedule like that, non-conference, you're – potentially giving yourself a position to play up a seed line or two or three based on your results. And that stuff matters. Last year, San Diego State was a five seed. Do they make the same run as a six seed? We'll never know. Um, but they played a challenging non-conference schedule, and they benefited from that, and they were rewarded with a number five seed in the NCAA tournament. And I think they could be rewarded again this year if they take advantage of this non-conference schedule. And so far, so good. And there's still, again, a lot of opportunities lot can happen. I think the Mountain West is going to be good like it's been the last couple of years, whether it's Boise State, Colorado State with Stevens back, New Mexico with Jalen House still not healthy, but coming back from injury. 
So the Mountain West has a chance to certainly send three-plus teams to the NCAA tournament. They've done it each of the last two years. Four teams got in two years ago. Four teams got in last year. San Diego State made that run all the way to the national championship game. And then, oh, by the way, there was Jaden Ledig, who is playing as well as any player in the country. And I think that's inarguable. He's the national player of the week, according to multiple publications. He did something on Sunday that no player in the history of the Mountain West Conference in 26 years has ever done. 34 points or more. 17 rebounds or more, shooting 50% or better from the floor. He's the only player in the history of the conference to do that. He leads the nation in points per game. He leads the nation in points per game with the schedule that they've played. I mean, they're not playing, you know, non-D1 opponents right now. They're not playing 300 or lower in the net. They're playing top 100 caliber teams. He's facing off against legitimate centers like Traore at BYU, like the Traores against Long Beach State. Um, like the two seven-footers that uh, Washington had, like the two seven-footers that St. Mary's had. Like, he's not bothered by size. He's so physical. He's so broad. And if you watch the NCAA tournament last year when he was going up against guys like uh, Charles Bediaco at Alabama, Ryan Kalkbrenner at Creighton, the Russian center at FAU, uh, Sonogo Klingon at UConn, right? Um, think about that. I mean, he's facing seven four centers, seven two centers, and holding his own. This was a year ago, and now he's just completely come into his own, just completely. Where he's playing like an All American, he's playing like a Mountain West Player of the Year. He's playing like someone that um, is motivated to not just perform for himself, but for his team and to win at a high level. That that's what I'm seeing right now. And I know it's November 21st. It's not March 21st. And that's I think what's actually exciting for Aztec fans. Like think about the potential growth in his game still. And are you going to count Jaden Ledee out in like a tournament setting? I'm not. Mount West tournament, NCAA tournament. Like, are you going to bet against Jaden Ledee based on what you've seen over these five games? And then, oh, by the way, you've got this veteran core around him. Lamont, Darion, Micah, the addition of Reese Waters, who has fit in beautifully to this offense and has played really good defense as well. The emergence of Elijah Saunders, the return of Miles Bird. I think Jay Powell is just scratching the surface of what he's going to do for the Aztecs as he learns this system. And I think we saw a little bit of that on Sunday against Washington in Vegas. So there's just a ton to like. And I, I've been saying over the last couple of days, it feels as if San Diego State is further along today than they were a year ago today. And that team made a national championship game. And I'm not saying that this team is going to make a national championship game. So don't put those words in my mouth. But because it's hard and we know that all kinds of crazy things happen. Look at Purdue last year. Look at Virginia the year before they won a national championship. You can't predict it. That's why they call it March Madness. But, you know, a year ago, coming off Maui, some of the early season struggles, they really got it going in the second half of the year. And they fully turned it on, I think, in February and March. That's when you really saw the best of the Aztecs. And typically under Brian Dutcher, his teams will play its best basketball in February and March, which is a credit to Brian Dutcher and his coaching staff. What's happening right now is you've got this team playing really good basketball, specifically on offense. You're, you're talking about a top 25 efficient offense and a top 25 efficient defense. The only team in the country that has a top 25 offense and a top 100 schedule per Ken Palm. Oh, by the way, also the only team in the country with a top 25 defense and a top 100 schedule. And they got both. And they're the only team with either. And they have both. So it's hard to discredit the accomplishments of the team. Yeah, they got the BYU loss. Well, they don't win at BYU. They're 4-31. and 31. It was their second game. Give BYU credit. They're top 15 right now in Kempom. Um, 
And it's not, I'm not saying that, you know, BYU is going to be a one off and they're not going to lose again. There's tough games in there. Gonzaga is tough. Some of these games in the non conference are tough. They could be tripped up. And the conference, they'll have a bullseye, obviously, defending Mountain West champs, playing in a Final Four, first program in the history of, of the league to do that. So it, it's not like it's going to be a walk in the park. But I think when dust settles, you have to like the makeup of this team. And it's a lot different than last year's team. Um, it is. It's just a, it's a lot different. You don't have Nathan Mensa. You don't have, um, you know, the everything ability of a quicker rope. You don't have Keisha Johnson. Like you've lost a lot. Adam Seiko, um, you know, Matt Bradley, you've lost a lot. Make no mistake, but you've added. I mean, you're seeing Jaden Ladee, the offense run through him. He's a completely different player, and he was a great player a year ago. Reese Waters, you know, is playing like an all-Mountain West caliber player. Elijah Saunders, we didn't see much last year. Um, he's been lethal to start the year from beyond the arc. He's been a huge difference maker for this team. We've seen improvement from Micah Parrish. Darion Trammell hasn't even been fully healthy. Missed three-plus weeks with that shoulder. Um, the Aztecs aren't even fully healthy right now. Miles Bird coming back from injury to Marche Johnson Jr. Coming back from injury. Um, but I just think it's really encouraging. It really is encouraging um, if you've been watching these first handful of games. Um, it's been very, very encouraging. Uh, Robbie, thank you for uh, commenting here. Guys, if you're here live or on replay, please subscribe. Year-round content for Aztec fans. Talking about this football head coaching search. Talking about the Aztecs. Uh, non-conference tournament win, the main event in Vegas over St. Mary's in the University of Washington. Uh, back to the coaching search, uh, Robbie saying, Brennan, Marion, please, this guy will be a big name as a head coach in the future. Yeah, it's a possibility. I mean, he's certainly getting some recognition based on what's going on right now at UNLV. I don't really fully know the name. I've heard it over the course of this year because of what UNLV has done on offense, but um, it's a bit of a meteoric rise is what it is. Um, he's had a lot of coaching stops throughout his career and he's had a lot of success throughout his career as well this is his first opportunity to call plays and it's worked out perfectly i think it's his first opportunity to call plays don't quote me on that um but i believe it's his first opportunity calling plays at least at the fbs level i mean here's a guy i think i have this right because i was at wikipedia earlier who i think was coaching high school football within the last decade and is still only 36 years of age like he was born in 1987 he played high school football in Pennsylvania. He was a great receiver at Tulsa. He went undrafted, but spent some time with the Dolphins organization. And I'm looking right now. Yeah, he was a head coach in high school as late as, I think, 2014. Uh, that's where he developed the go-go offense. And then, okay, so he's been an OC at Howard, but that's not FBS. Um, he's coached at Arizona State. He's coached at Oklahoma Baptist. OC at Howard. Um, 2019, he followed head coach Mike London from Howard over to the College of William & Mary, also FCS. He was the OC there. Um, he was then a receivers coach for Todd Graham at Hawaii. He was then a receivers coach for Pitt. Um, and who did Pitt have there before? Was it Jordan Addison before he went to SC? I think so. He was passing game coordinator at Texas Austin, like UT, and then he's been at UNLV. So he's been everywhere over the last 10 years, and he's having a lot of success right now. Um, so an intriguing name, a name to keep an eye on, certainly throughout this process for San Diego State. Uh, Clayton, thank you for the comment. Guys, if you're here, whether it's live or on replay, if you have a comment, if you want to get it into the chat, I'd be uh, happy to react to it right now live if you are here. If you're here on replay, make sure to comment, and I'll react to you. Uh, separately as well. Again, subscribe if you're here. Smash the like button for me 
and uh, follow me on Twitter at John Schaefer, J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. Uh, Clayton, thank you. He says, thanks for your time, John. Nebraska's defensive ranking, ranking should be taken with a grain of salt, given they play against Big Ten West offenses. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I'd have to look at the full Nebraska schedule. Um, you know, they played Colorado this year, right, when they were actually good. Um, and when their offense is kind of rolling. Let me see if I can pull up the full Nebraska schedule. Let's see here. So Nebraska this year has um, non-conference. Yeah, I mean, again, Colorado non-conference. But, yeah, it's fair. When you're playing Illinois and Northwestern and Purdue and Michigan State and even Maryland and Wisconsin and Iowa, we'll play Iowa this weekend coming up still. Okay, that, that might account for some of it, Clayton, to your point. But top 20, they were 77th last year, and they were in the Big Ten West. Last year, there was 77th in total defense last year, and they're 15th or 17th this year. So there's definitely been improvement. I know you could argue the merits of the offenses in the Big Ten, and that's fair if you're not playing Ohio State or Michigan or even Penn State. Um, but there's definitely been improvement in progress under Tony White and Nebraska, even if it is the Big Ten West. But it's a fair point. It is a fair point. Uh, Lucius, thank you. Lucius saying, I want an offensive coach and flashy. I want San Diego State. Just grow the fan base. I wish we got Sean Payton when he was free, but I'm biased. I'm a Saints fan. Yeah, again, I don't think you have to go. You know, you hear these names like Cliff Kingsbury, and you hear people talk about like a Jimbo Fisher. Like th that doesn't guarantee you anything. Like just because these are recognizable names doesn't mean they're going to succeed coaching at San Diego State. You need the right person for this job. It's not to say someone like Cliff Kingsbury couldn't be successful, but it's also not to say that someone like Tony White or Brennan Marion couldn't be successful, if not more successful. So I think there's this belief out there, hey, you know, now that there's this blank slate and now that we've got resources and a new stadium, let's go with the sexiest name possible. It's got to be a name, right? It's got to be flashy. Southern California, right? We need to throw it around the yard. It's got to be that. But I, I just don't know if that's the way that San Diego State typically operates. Not to say that they couldn't consider a hire like that, but I don't think it's the end-all, be-all. I don't think it's a prerequisite or requirement that it has to be, quote-unquote, sexy this hire. If that happens and it checks the boxes, okay. If it doesn't happen but checks checks the other boxes, I think you're still potentially in a good uh, good spot. Uh, back to Clayton here. It says, SoCal produces the best high school quarterback prospects in the country, and this program has actively tried to scare them away for 15 years. Another defensive coach from this tree would be so disappointing. I mean – I honestly don't see it that way, having spent, you know, the last seven seasons watching Aztec football and with it being defensive minded, but with their success and with how close they've gotten to the power five. To me, it's less about who the head coach is. And it's more about who's calling plays when it comes to the offense. That's what I would say. Can the head coach, whether he's offensive oriented or not, if he's not calling plays, can he get the right coordinator, which can get the right quarterback? That's the question I'm asking. So whether it's Tony White or Brennan Marion, the question still remains, who's the quarterback who's calling plays? Presumably it would be Marion as a play caller, even if he was a head coach, presumably, although I couldn't guarantee that. And if it's Tony White, what if you could get someone like Brennan Marion on his staff? And maybe you can't. Maybe he's going to be a head coach. Maybe he's going to get a Power 5 OC job. All a possibility. But like consider that you know, theoretical. You bring in your defense first head coach who brings in a young up-and-coming OC like a Brendan Marion or someone else. Like I think it's at least something to consider. 
Uh, Clayton again saying Ryan Grubb would be ideal. The concern would be whether he would leave UW right before the playoff. Now, they still have work to do, Clayton. They do. I mean, they have to beat Washington State, who struggled here in the second half. They're going to have to win the Pac-12 title game over Oregon, potentially, um, assuming Oregon beats Oregon State. But you're right. There's a decent you know, shot for UW to be in. I think you could still make the hire, even if he was coaching. You'd make the hire between championship weekend and then he'd still be coaching Washington. Does that impact your ability to recruit? Yeah, maybe. But if he's the right person, he's the right person. Like I still say make the right hire over a concern with the timeline. Yeah, the timeline matters, but I say make the right hire. And if you can get Ryan Grubb and you think he's the right person for the job, but he's got to coach for another three and a half weeks, but he's still kind of you know working on behalf of San Diego State as well in there as well, um, then I say make that hire. That's how I look at it. Um, and then back to uh, Luscious, who says Sean Payton is a talent for finding good players in the lower part of the draft, and now he can recruit top talent. Well, Sean Payton obviously isn't going to be considered by uh, the Aztecs, considering you know he's working right now in the NFL. But again, I mean, what I like about the search is that you can like reach far and wide, cast that wide net. That's what I really like right now about the search. Whether it's Tony White, who you, again you have ties to, but is. Um, you know, really, really highly considered of, highly sought of, or thought of, excuse me. Like, I think Tony White's going to get opportunities beyond Nebraska this offseason, regardless of what happens with San Diego State. And then a Brendan Marion, I kind of like the idea of contacting him based on what's going on at UNLV. And you might say, well, can't San Diego State do better than a UNLV coordinator? UNLV is 9-2 and two and one of the best stories in football right now. And if Brendan Marion is the right person at the right time and can make you better – who cares if he's at UNLV or if he's at, you know, Washington State? I mean, I don't think that really matters um, the way I look at it. So we know two names have been contacted, Tony White, Brennan Marion, um, potentially others, and maybe we'll learn of more names in the days ahead. Again, I don't know what's going to happen over Thanksgiving weekend. If those conversations are going to continue. Certainly conversations will um, be taking place over the course of the next week, and we may just be days away, certainly weeks away from San Diego State landing on its next head football coach beginning with the 2024 season. Aztecs basketball, by the way, this weekend. Hope to see some people in San Juan Cap, San Diego State and Cal, and then, of course, senior night, Snapdragon Stadium, Saturday night. Um, hope to see some people this weekend, whether it's in San Juan Capistrano. I'll be on the call on San Diego Sports 760 or on Saturday night, San Diego State, Fresno State. It would be really nice to send out Brady Hoke with a win, wouldn't it, and the seniors. It would be really nice. And Fresno State has struggled. Um and the Aztecs, you know, they've been close these last four or five games. They've been close. I think the defense has been better. They haven't had that breakthrough moment. Maybe they get it Saturday night. Um, I think it would be it would be impactful um, for those in the program, for Brady, for his seniors, for the future direction, just to leave on a on a good note, right? Just to end the season um, with a bit of a bright spot, considering how disappointing this year has been. Um, it would go a long way for me. Again, you don't have to have it. The difference between three and nine and four and eight is not going to change the course of history. But to send Brady off, considering what's he, what he's meant to the program um, when he came here initially and the culture that's been built at San Diego State over the last 15 years, it would be really nice to see the Aztecs play well Saturday night on senior night. All right, guys, appreciate you hanging out. Um, I do it as often as I can. It, it's a little bit of a new project for me. Um, and you know, I'm able to do it as much as I possibly can. If, if you support it, I really appreciate it. The more support I get, the more um, I'm going to be doing this. It's just kind of a side project of mine right now, a labor of love, a passion, if you will. And that's what I, why I do it because of my passion for San Diego State Athletics. If you wouldn't mind telling people about it, if you wouldn't mind subscribing for me, 
if you wouldn't mind smashing the like button like that all goes a really long way um so i really do appreciate that so if you're here um if you wouldn't mind doing that um it doesn't cost you a penny i really would appreciate it if you wouldn't mind following me on twitter i'd appreciate that too at john schaefer J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. And uh, we'll catch up more as this search continues. We'll talk more San Diego State basketball as the season continues as well. Um, so please subscribe. You're on content. And please join us on San Diego Sports 760 as well, John and Jim, from 3 to 6, whether that's uh, San Diego Sports 760 or the iHeart Radio app, or find John and Jim on YouTube by searching for John and Jim 760. All right, guys, appreciate you hanging out on this uh, Tuesday night. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Thank you for those that have subscribed. Thank you for those that have commented in the live chat. Thank you to those of you that have commented um, watching on replay as well by commenting down below. Until next time, my name's John Schaefer, and you've been watching the Aztec Wrap-Up Show. Have a good night, everybody, and happy Thanksgiving. Thanks again.